at you. And now, he keep on home about to witness. E.T. will fuck on home the awesome crushing a might of the U.G.S. Robinson show Welcome, my friends, to a show that seemingly sort of kind of never ends. I'm your host, U.D.S. Robinson, and this is V. Six, three. I think you just have to show stop. Ah, it's a bullshit show. If it walks like bullshit and it talks like bullshit and it smells like bullshit, my suspicion strongly are that it is bullshit. We'll get into that UFC Fight Night 150, Bellator 220. I think I got my hands full because this week's card last night was the first all care card. For various reasons, it ran the spectrum. From the Court McGee mini drama, he lost, to the Jocko Brave uh, 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 head, headliner main, main, that main card. Main event, the first, Bob Riley. Big model. The record called Call It Just. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. Being paid back and full, always nothing. All right, all right, let's stop the music. Oh, well, the music doesn't want to be stopped. Oh, it's like a Twilight Zone thing, it refuses. Ah, 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 thank you. They, they, it would have just played forever. Remember, I don't know if you remember, we used to experiment with having the, the music go the whole time, and it was kind of distracting, especially for those of you just listening, not watching. Let me plug in the the, the viewer donated, Roma Raider donated balls. Hey, yay, hey, it's the blue ball. The blue ball donated by a viewer like you. Uh, okay, I think this is working. If there's a problem, as you know, you can tweet me, uh, DM, tweet me during the show, and it'll come up on the phone display, where right now it says intro, all of nothing, uh, stigmata. Available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they still hit your car with a hammer. It's uh, You can get it there. Anyway, um, and Roma Raider donated this, and that's what I'm talking through. Um, let's go do a little bit of housekeeping, as usual, before we kind of get to, to the rest of it. The housekeeping specifically, uh, we got... Today is April 28th, for those who give a crap. And in uh, in a matter of days, and I'm looking at the calendar right now, uh, at Tuesday night at midnight, the people who run the Patreon uh, a donation thing where you can be a patron of the show, uh, call it quits for April. You want to get in under the wire for April. Um, this is where the growth deltas happen. They give you a handy dandy chart where you can look at your progress over the months. I don't expect to see a huge uptick necessarily, though I suspect this month we might have one because I want to use. I don't know that you know what your name. Let's use your initials NT, Neuro T, who donated in one fell swoop as a Patreon for the show, as a patron for the show, uh, a, a large sum of money, which God love you. I thank you. That tax, $5,000 tax thing held me down, wrestle mugged me, and took my wallet. So it, it, it is nice. Haven't, can't buy groceries. Kasha's like, well, we should go out to dinner. I go, can't. Okay, we just can't, can't. 
we can see a movie because we could pay seven dollars on the credit card and then when the bill comes due we can actually pay it don't get paid until first to 15th got the first of the month so thank you if you go to patreon.com slash the stomper jesus guys i'm sweating out I'm about to go to the gym that's why i'm all togged up sorry for the hair that's where the way it goes um but those of you who donated thank you i actually have everything packed packaged ready to go i gotta get some time tomorrow to get out to the post office but those of you who ordered the uh, uh who are patrons at the ten dollar level you get the fight cd it's going out i've been promising for a long time i actually have all the stuff those of you who bought sound of no hands clapping whipping boys first record we had an auction for it those are going out to have no fear eugene is here so uh thank you for that patreon.com slash the stomper and uh that's the name of that tune also at the youtube thing in the corner press a little ding dong button so you get notifications of the show you subscribe to the channel it means they don't fuck with us like they've been trying to fuck with us and that's it for the housekeeping is it i think i think it is i think it's for the housekeeping. so uh let's go let's go I, i'm not first of all a few things need to be said before i start and i'm uh one of the things that need to be said that steph made the mistake of mentioning to me uh, that she had been in-house for Bloody Elbow, had been the number one pick artist of all the staffers there. You can't tell me something like that. You you, you know, a producer, maybe I shouldn't mention, well, we've only, we've only had a few, so I'll just say his name. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say his name because, you know, look, the guy did this thing that I love, and I suggest you try it sometime. It's completely amusing. I don't know that he did it on purpose, but the sum total effect, and I may have mentioned his name before. For those of you who know, you keep your mouth shut. But we're alone in the room. He turns to me, and he looks at me, and he says, uh, Eugene. I go, yeah. He said, I've had sex with 100 women. I was like, oh, okay. Later on, I mentioned to the rest of the band, I go, hey, you know what dude said to me? He said he had had sex with 100 women. They're like, how the fuck would he say that? I don't know. I thought it was weird, too. And then everybody's turned the stink eye on me. But he never said that. He never said that. You're just saying he said that because you're, like, trying to get a tent. Well, I know he said that. So I started doing this thing where if it's just me and one other person around, I could say any kind of crazy fucking thing. They try to repeat it. And what happens? Well, actually, in my case, it wouldn't work because people would believe it instantaneously that I said it. But in other cases, maybe you could try it. It might work. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The guy said 100. The gauntlet, in a very weird way, had been thrown. Because I was very close. But I hadn't, at that point in time, hadn't hit 100. Get over that. I don't mean get over not being there. I mean, I had to beat him. And then I remember once, my friend, we did a second season of Aussie Confidential, which is coming up in August. Mr. Marcus, he and I compete. And I realized I can't compete with a guy like that. That guy's knocking back numbers un uh, heretofore uh, uh, unattainable by the average man and getting paid for it. That was out. But I could compete on a smaller producer scale. In the same way, Steph says, I'm the number one man. I got to compete. So not only was this last week's card, UFC Fort Lauderdale, not only was it the, uh, and it's a strange card, in aggregate, many of you wrote me to say, what the fuck are you talking about, Eugene? This is a don't care card. It's not, the, the card in total was a little bit misty. However, the elements of the card, each and every one held held up to the scrutiny test and indeed uh even though i espn plus and it was all this confusion i was in the studio uh yesterday recording eight songs with his french band an offshoot band i did a record called the first will and testament with this french band called l'enfance rouge and um the guitar player from the francois an unpronounceable last name that sounds a little bit like anarchy uh, um he uh is starting his new project he wanted me to give it a name write lyrics and sing some songs to it so we're calling it low house and he plays this mean killer kind of 
this crazy heavy duty guitar. So I sang. I had to miss the Hoist Gracie, even though he inspired this week's JJB, the Hoist Gracie seminar at Sarau's, because I was in the studio. But as I sang my ass off and got done at 547, rushed over to dude's house, Danny K. I don't know that he wants his whole name mentioned, so we just call him Danny K. Danny K's house to watch the whole fight. That's how we managed to see Bellator, see it all. Even though I could have got it on my phone. Nice to see it on the big screen to be able to hear. And if I had it on the phone, it's because I was driving home. So um, so in in total, it was still a kind of a, a don't carry card. Like if you had something else to do, you probably would end up doing it. But each one of the fights, I couldn't sleep on. So I picked them all as cares. First time ever, 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 ever in the history of the Care Don't Care show that I have ever done that. And as luck would have it, between John Nash, you know, John Nash, he he of show money on Bloody Elbow, and Steph Haynes, she of uh, Mookie and Crookie show, and uh, the one other one that starts with an L <laughs> that they said they want to have me on. I tried to bulldog my way on on the Mookie and Cookie show, and they're like, nah, nah. Kind of like when Luke Thomas said, hey, maybe you could have me on your show. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like you have to see that movie, The Servant, with uh, uh, Dirk Bogart, James Fox. Don't look it up or read anything about it. I've said this before. Just see it sight unseen. Take my word for it. You won't regret it. But there's a great scene where Wendy Craig goes uh, at a suggestion by uh, James Fox, kind of goes. And that's how Luke did when I said, hey, why don't you have me on your show? At least, at least uh, Steph said yes to one of her shows. But um, but uh, she and John Nash got smashed. Smashed, according to Khabib. Smashed. She came in second. Uh, she picked uh, 13 fights. And got like five, five right. And John Nash picked, uh, John Nash picked uh, ten fights and got three right. I picked all fights, and I got eight. I'm gonna give myself eight right, and you'll see why. Uh, and I, it's not a, it's not a weird gimme. You'll see why by the end of the show. So I crushed it. Yeah, yeah, that's what we call it now, crushing it. Um, so anyway, um, let's go through this card in a way that is uh, insignificant uh, for some of us. So um, Jacare Sousa, who I picked against uh, Her- Hermanson, whose name I just spelled wrong. I think I even got – I got not only that, I got the guy's first and last name wrong in a tweet I just sent out. Did I get that right? I think I called him Ted Hermans. And then they're like, you spell correction. I put Hermanson, and they just corrected it to Hermans, which is fine because eight days ago, who the fuck knew who he was, right? Um, and a couple of things. He was a late stage replacement. He just fought and beat David Branch. I picked Branch over him. He fought David Branch and beat him. Didn't realize he was quite such a slick uh, uh, submission specialist. Apparently he was. But the Swedish Norwegian, Norwegian Swede, as the case may be, um, I still didn't give much credence, but as they walked in and I looked at uh, uh, Jacare's face, Jacare, a known associate, when he's in Northern California, trains at Team Sorrell and has on occasion. Uh, so I felt honor bound to pick him, but I also thought he was really going to win. But when I watched him walk down the vomitorium, which is what you call an entryway into a stadium, if you didn't know, uh, I got a bad feeling. I got a bad feeling. Now, he was he was supposed to be fighting Romero which would have been a tough fight. You expected the guy would have been firing on all cylinders in his preparation for that fight. And then when they switched opponents, a taller, lankier opponent, what kind of adjustment needs to be made? Well, sometimes it's not that the, the quality of the adjustment or the amount of adjustment that needs to be made. Sometimes it's just the fact, the fact of the matter is you had one thing in your head and something else happened. Like you get a glass of what you think is, is orange juice, turns out to be grapefruit juice, your fucking buzz is roached for a few seconds in, just for a few seconds before your head adjusts. It could have been that dude's head wasn't into it, not into the game, not into it for whatever reason. He walked into the, the cage like he would rather be somewhere else. And there, I brought this up on the Care Don't Care preview because we talked about it a bit. 
there, there's Tyson said it best when he talked about um, success breeds confidence and confidence breeds success. It's an upward spiral that he's talking about, but the other thing can happen as well. Now, having been 39, I can remember thinking that 40, look, I went through a midlife crisis in my 20s. I, I broke up with my my girlfriend of five years, started going out with a girl, girl who was like 18 years younger than me. And uh, she was 18, stop it. And uh, bought, a, bought a 67 Chevy muscle car and uh, in, in general lost my mind, right? Going from 39 to 40, it wasn't that big of a deal. I felt as vital as ever. My kids were on the planet, walking around, healthy, wealthy, wise. I felt all right. I felt, I felt great in actual fact. I was doing fight club then. I was doing MMA matches in a, in a dirty basement uh, 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 by the garbage scow in the Tenderloin section of San Francisco. That's where I got knocked out by uh, Chris Sanford, the first season of Ultimate Fighter, uh, um, who is now a black belt, I believe, in jiu-jitsu under Caesar Gracie. Sorry. So, um, so I felt I felt great then, but I can see that I remember thinking everybody says to something, it's supposed to be something. There's a great quote, a literary quote. I can't remember, like Mark Twain or somebody who said that life. Somebody, one of you can look it up while I'm doing the show. Life begins at forty. I remember my great aunt Vi saying the same thing. Life begins at forty. And I'm, so I remember being hitting forty and being excited. I was like, look at me. 40. I, the 40 is a new 30. I look fucking great. I still had my hair was still dark. I was, you know, it was probably 220, sprinting, lifting weights, taking jujitsu. I was feeling pretty good. More lifting, not so much jujitsu at 40 now that I remember. I've been with Sorrell 10 years. You see his mark on my nose? Yeah, Sorrell has to roll with a, with a, uh, a wrist brace. See that? This will make sense when you see the JJB later. Every single back of my hand, I can contribute. This is Logan. This is one other guy, all the scars on the back of the hand. This is Sorrell, takes his wrist brace and just rubs it along the neck on his way to gouging your eye out because that's just the way it is. Some things will never change. So, um, uh, but it happens with Jacare that um, I remember him last time he came to train with us a few years when he was fighting maybe Strike Force or yeah, man, I think it was Strike Force and he was excited. You could feel it. The dude was still geek. Brazilian fans knew him. American fans didn't know him so much. He came in doing the alligator chop and people didn't really know what the hell he was doing. But he won, became a crowd favorite. This is not that guy who walked into the cage for whatever reason. And having a rocky moment laid out in front of him, Hermanson knew Fuck, this is my moment. And he took that fucking fight. And all, and yeah, you know, talk about educability. The things that I keep expecting uh, uh, to go by the wayside, to go by that, that, that in terms of what he would learn and advance in uh, Jacare, like hold your hands up. Now remember, he hits deceptively fucking hard. I know this from having the, the guy train at our place. I refuse to get in, put the gloves on with Fuck that. Life's too short post 40 of doing that but saw other guys do it deceptively hard you could see the one round at which he had major success is when you're just hitting him in the body hit the body and the head follows right tight tyson's a big thing break him in the body but all of the other bad things now he, he had head motion that was interesting but it wasn't concerted head motion it was like luck a lot of times luck makes you think it's not luck but you know he was doing kind of ducking, slipping some of the punches, but slipping into this channel where he's opened himself up for uppercuts, and his hands were way too low. Hermanson's hands high, 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 stayed high. So he lost that fight, and he said there was some rebop about how he said he was going to retire if he lost his fight. Well, I didn't hear anything about a retirement. But dude, now uh, uh, John Nash did the breakdown. Said, "Look, he at this point now to get back in a title hunt at 39, almost 40. He knows he's got to fight four more fights. That's pretty dispiriting. Well, it would be dispiriting if the guy hadn't entered the cage dispirited. Who knows? Who knows what he knew? 
who knows what he knew. It seems like he was doing okay against dude, but ultimately he lost. Um, so it, it, uh, I'm sorry, people, uh, you guys are tweeting me stuff. So the reality of it is he lost fair and square. Now let's turn to Hermanson here. I'm not saying this is not the nipple whisperer necessarily, but I want you all to think about something. Have you ever, ever, ever seen a guy after a five round fight, not sweat and not be out of breath? Now I've seen guys not sweat, but I'm watching with my eyes, not any other body part. And I'm seeing dudes the corners, towel them down, towel them down, and put it in a T-shirt, towel them down, and they step up with John Anik or Joe Ho, uh, uh, Ho Joe Gain, and uh, and they do their interview. Oh, who should I? I in other words, it's contiguous to I see a a a a, 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 a wipe down, then the mic is there. There may have been a wipe down. But it wasn't in the in the minutes before. The dude steps up to the mic to talk about why he's here and uh, and uh, completely dry, stays dry during the, the length of the interview, and never draws a heavy breath. Turns out that uh, there was this uh, bit of conversation that somebody reported to me between the bald one and Usada guys, and Usada was like, you know, we hadn't really tested for EPO before, but we. And the ball was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. what do you think I pay you guys for? What do you mean you haven't tested? I said, well, it's like an endurance drug. You know, we, didn't, we don't have cyclists here. It's like the scene from French Connection where he says, I've checked, checked every part of the car except for the running boards. What the fuck are those? You're killing me. Why don't you take that? Come on. I got to do everything myself. Gene Hackman. Popeye Doyle. Get away from the bar, get up against the wall, everybody, Popeye's here. Gene Hackman, a masterful job because, you know, <laughs> we see him, at least for the first portion of the movie, brutalizing people of color. <laughs> Just enjoying the rights of free assembly and drinking, which was legal, rolling into a bar, emptying people's pockets, taking all the drugs out. It seems to be constitute a legal search and seizure, but he wins you over, Popeye Doyle. Um, Harry Callahan, all these hard-boiled Irish coppery. Um, so we'll see. We'll see, we'll see if, if Hermanson passes the USADA test. I'm just saying it smells a little, little fishy to me. Little fucking fishy. And in any case, if it's not, I want to hear about the cardio program that he's on because I got to get on it. I'm going running after this for half an hour on the treadmill. I'd like to go outside, but the wife wants someone to do uh, squats and so on. So got to do it. Uh, Greg Hardy. Dimitri Smalley, bullshit, straight up bullshit. Bellator level bullshit, 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 bullshit. You know, I thought we were well beyond. I, I can't for the life of me. Can't like, 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 like Ice Cube said about Cyprus. I don't know one nigga in the hood who's bumping your shit. I don't know one which pretty much kind of made at that point Cypress Hill, not for the kids in the hinterlands who were interested in authenticity, but, you know, for the college folks who appreciate the kind of weed activism and so on. But it actually did. People were like, oh, these guys got no street cred. They got nobody knows who they are. They're repping Cypress Hill. It's like a section of South Central. Nobody knows who the hell they are. Who the hell is Greg Hardy's constituency? Wife beaters? Not even alleged wife beaters. I call a guy a wife beater all day. Football fans? You think there's enough delta in football fans who go like, fuck football. I need something. Oh, shit. Dude, dude's a clubhouse cancer. Kicked off for several teams and they with the wife beating. Look, Tyson bites Holyfield's ear twice. I don't fault him for the first time. That could be that can be checked off to frustration, anger, a way to, to get, like, like, like Teddy Atlas said, now's your time to make things fair. And Richard, uh, whoever the ref was for that fight, which I saw live, said, you do it again, we're done. You gave me a key, I'm going to use the key. I'm out. Did it a second time. Hardy loses two football teams. That guy's a clubhouse cancer and a piece of shit. 
not only does he train against a guy who's supposed to nine and oh supposed to be a greco guy this is a guy he's trained with before already your smellometer should be going off already why are they propping this guy up why with lesnar it made sense to me and he did have a skill set based on having achieved something as an ncaa wrestler like he legitimately beat heath herring legitimately beat frank mir heath herring and frank mir are legitimately not bums were but this fucking small dimitri Smolyakov, his performance was absolutely Fred Edish-esque. He should not be paid. Or as John Nash said, his pay should be doubled because he clearly did what somebody wanted him to do. Why are you propping up this guy, Greg Hardy? John Nash seems to believe that Hardy is being propped up for a very specific reason, because we hate him enough that we'll tune in to see him get beat. No. If they wanted that, they'd give him some serious competition. They're floating him trying to develop what? A cross-sport constituency? There's a fuck about that guy. It made sense to prop up somebody like Herschel Walker. He was a PR, he was a, uh, a PR a jubilee. Hall of Famer, tough guy, lifelong martial artist, an old man, somebody to watch. But eventually that dried up too where they said we can't find any Tomato cans, tomato, tomato canny enough for him. I raised my hand. I tried to get that Herschel Walker fight. Why not? We're the same age. He's in the heavyweight. I'm light heavy, but I, I get up there. Anything over 205 is heavyweight, right? I'm there. I was very vocal about it in the old knuckle up. It never happened. And I interviewed Scott Coker, and I mentioned it, and it never happened. I said, you got to put me in there against Herschel Walker or Daniel Puder. I'm game. I'm ready, coach. I'm suited up. Yeah, he just laughed, which is a little bit better than what Luke Thomas did when I asked to be on his show. And he just kind of <laughs> not even a smile, you know? like Prince. So uh, fuck Greg Hardy. I would never pick that guy. And uh, I picked Dimitri, but Dimitri was a tomato can. And I hope to never see him again. And afterwards, the bald one being the interview was shocked. Shocked. How'd that guy get in the house? How'd he get in the house? How'd he get in the house? It's your house. You tell me. You tell me how he got in the house. Fucking tell me that. I'm shocked there's gambling going on here. Shocked. Alex Oliveira, now I'm pissed. Now I'm fucking pissed. Yes, I picked Oliveira to win, but what? And Oliveira clearly was going for fight of the night, a performance bonus. He didn't give a real shit about winning the fight. He really didn't. He's in there and he's dancing and he's mugging and mugging and dancing and dancing and mugging. And Perry comes in and he's dancing and mugging and they're and they're having a dance off. They're dancing to each other's songs and they're breaking their moon, walking and they're popping and locking. Are you fucking kidding me? And the fight starts and in the second round, a uh, 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 fucking Oliveira is like doing a rope a dope and then like figure like, oh, you got me. Okay, that's fine. You do a rope-a-dope and you come out of it firing on all cylinders. You don't keep dancing around. What did you, you think it was a five-round fight? What the fuck did you think? You know, I know it seemed nice to get that performance bonus. Performance at night, crowd-pleasing. And I think you think that those guys stick around longer, win or lose. And you might be right to a certain degree, but you got fucked. And you fucked us. It's one thing. You were the equivalent of one of those guys who doesn't want to die alone and so crashes the car and kills everybody. You want to go down, you go down. This is, you have become a fucking gicta. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. You're fucking dead to me. Because you could have won that fight and you didn't. And moreover, you lost all the, 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 the monkey shines, the jack of napes. You lost me forever. You know who won? Mike Perry. I'm a Mike Perry guy. His speech afterwards was a fucking wonderful butthole surfer-esque. Non-secretary. I fucking loved it. I loved every, every bit of it. Platinum Mike Perry. Now he's got, he's got strikes against him. He came into the fight. Uh, you know, I hated him. All that, 
you know, the Negro shit and the jokey joke that people think is all funny, the, the wigger stuff. I'm not, you know, the, uh, man, what are you doing? I think that shit's funny. You don't have to work that way. You're funny enough without it. That was a great post fight interview, and I'm glad he won. And Oliveira was like, oh, I'm off to get my check. John Nasty did a financial breakdown and said he actually lost money. So I know it feels nice to get the performance of the fight night bonus, but in actual fact, in the end, if you make less money as a result of it and you take the L, fuck you. I'm done. I'm done. I will abstain. I will abstain if you if you fight, even if I think you're going to win or or pick the other person. I'm never picking you again. That's what happens. When you get put in the, in, in the gift of concentration camp, excuse me, that's what happens. I took these really giant milk thistle pills. If I shouldn't be taking milk, milk, milk thistle pills, please tell me. Uh, Glover Teixeira and yeah, Ian Kudalaba. Um, I I smashed, smashed, I smashed Steph and and, uh, and John Nash on this one. They both picked Ian. They thought he was Brazilian. He's actually from Moldova, Moldova, Moldavia, Moldavian, close to Ukraine. And he he did it like Bukowski, or as my wife says, Bukowski. Would always say, you know, it's a fighter that comes into the ring and is doing all the crossing stuff. It's like the lady protested too much. He's tearing, he's going Sinead O'Connor. He's tearing up pictures of Glover before. Glover's a sweet guy, older guy, 39 year old. Can compare and contrast him with a 39 year old who's worried about the transition from 30 to 40 and thinks suddenly, like apparently, thoughts have been going through Jacare's head, like, you know. Can anybody really tell me what time it is? Does anybody really know about time? I can't imagine why. It's time enough to die. You know, these morbid self-attentions, like Travis Bickle says, you know, I, you got to get out of that cycle. 40 is just a number. What about these cats who cut, I'm going to retire, and they spend a month at home and realize, Jesus Christ, this until I die? These are people without rich in their lives. They got to do something like fight combat. Tito Ortiz out of the mothballs, back in the cage. For what? He needs the money? I don't know, maybe. Or maybe he's just bored. We'll be seeing Jacare six months from now realizing, yeah, I had a pretty – sometimes it has to happen. Sometimes it has to happen. I remember being very – when I was a teenager, being very cavalier about women because I had a good run. Thanks to disco era. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Try to take two women to the prom. Yeah. Well, girls, right? Because I was 17. And yeah, but get out to Stanford, California. It was nothing cool about being a Negro in California in 1980. And I had to work. I violated the load ratio. You know what the load ratio is? Let me tell you briefly. I'm going to write a book on it when I talk about the three-second load. I'm going to compare with Timothy Ferris's four-hour workout week, four-hour work week. We used to train at house with me. But I put in, when I was 19, this is how, how low California made me swing. I put in about eight months time with this woman. So let's say eight months, the 30 days in a month, 240 days of those, of those 240 Say every day on average, I spent two hours. Maybe that's a, a movie, something on a roughly. So 240 times two, let's say 480 hours. And you know what I got for that 480 hours? I'm sorry to be a prick about this. And some of you will think, uh, some of you will women might think that I'm being a prick about this, but there is a golden ratio. There's a golden mean. And 480 hours of together this time, should yield more than one nut blown. Should yield more than one load delivered, extracted. Sorry to get very frank. I'm a sex columnist with you. You got to understand. And those of you who actually sent me questions this week, the sex column, sent them to Eugene at OZY.com. Thank you. Because the, 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 the coffers were getting low. The violation of the load ratio. I'm, I'm sorry. It just doesn't. Oh, yeah. Just try it. Let's try it in the opposite. A woman is hanging out with me for eight months straight and I give her one orgasm. Is that a successful relationship? I don't think so. 
I don't think she would think so. So that's how low about so my point is, my point is we're talking about a Columbia Kashira Kudalaiba, you know, that you sometimes you have to um sometimes you gotta have your karma leveled. So you're coming in ripping up the guy's photo, you're smack talking, and the, the ref on Dallas, who that guy is, he looked like he represented one of the lollipop kids. He's letting him walk across the cage and get in Glover's face before the before the fight. He's absolutely showing no control of the cage. Uh, Big John McCarthy, I'll control your cage. And, and Glover said it best as, a, as an August student of the sport. He says, if I can get out of the first round with this guy, and all those muscles have to be fed by blood and oxygen, he's not going to make it. And sure enough, that's exactly what would happen. I know guys from that part of the world are plenty tough. Train with the Ukrainian guy. He says all he does is lift kettleballs. Get the fuck out of here. He's strong, as strong as I am. Maybe stronger. Maybe. But it was nice to see Kudaleva. And also, he opened the door into his wheelhouse, and the guy's rolling to his stomach, not expecting at all that he's going to get get rear-naked choked. Come on, bro. I got choked by a fucking 260-pound white belt this week. The guy's 30 years old. He's Romanian, 260 pounds. Got the drop. I got to, I'm on a new program, six-month punishment program. Every role I start, everybody's got to be in my guard because it comes to the determination that I've got a shitty guard. I'm having to move more often than I ever did before. I'm taxing a different set of muscles. And dude, you know, so I'm starting and he's on top of me, crushing 260, 260. I roll on my side. I go, okay, thank God. Set my home base. Here I am. He, he, he slides back and just fucking leg pushes me straight to my front, sinks it in, got me fair and square. One of the most humiliating fucking taps ever. Why? Because couldn't tap with my hands, which is quiet. I had to say the word. That fuck. It happens. Student of the sport, it can happen. It can happen to the best. That blue belt who tapped Sorrell twice. I tapped Sorrell uh, two weeks ago with a Robert Drysdale. He was laughing when it happened. He hasn't been laughing since. That's why we got brutalized here. He's trying to send a message. But I'm head. Strong head. Strong head game. So, okay. So, um, uh, that was a satisfying Glover to share. It kept his head, got to the second round, sunk the choke. It could happen. Cool labor's got, he's got, he just needs to dial it down a bit, but uh, he was in general pleasing. Uh, Lineker and Corey Sanhagen. Sanhagen is another uh, Jack Hermanson kind of uh, really high delivery rate, lots of cardio. I don't quite get the sense that there's a TJ situation with Sanhagen, but if I was at USADA, I'd be showing up at both these guys' houses now for a post-fight test. Sorry, got to. That's a high output for a long period of time. Did well. And uh, those guys picked Lineker, and they thought that Lineker won. And Lineker, generally, as an older fighter, is usually my guy. But I had a feeling about Sanhagen, and he won by nothing to say. Roosevelt Roberts and Thomas Gifford, I picked Roberts. Eh, eh, whatever. It wasn't that exciting of a fight. Sato and Ben Saunders. Ben Saunders is a known associate. Another writer for a writer for Bloody Elbow, so I picked him, but he got murked, and it's very much generally feeling like an OSB situation. Other sports beckon. I think he should stop. Uh, Orlovsky, I picked. I would pick him again. He technically lost to a, a Sakai. It was a it was a dreary fight. I love uh, Orlovsky anyway because how taste my pee pee? How could you not? Uh, but he didn't get outclassed. He got. Yeah, and I'd say it was a questionable decision. It didn't make me feel bad. I picked Carlo Esparza against Verna Generoba. I, look, I, I picked Esparza, but the Esparza that came to my attention initially is now not no longer there and gone. Forever? I don't know. Jim Miller I picked against Gonzalez. Angela Hill over Jody Escobel. Uh, I, I picked Court McGee, however, and he got, well, you know what happened. And I picked Burns over Davis. Yeah, okay, so I'm not going to talk about those because who cares? Um, but I am going to talk about um, the one fight 
Well, there were three fights that I sort of kind of cared about on Bellator 220. Oh, I got to straighten my leg. Um, one was with known associate uh, uh, Gaston Bolanos, uh, who won. Uh, he used to train at Fairtex when I was there, and I just did a, a Matt Webster uh, a video piece. You can go to ozy.com and type in, uh, I fought in a, a pro MMA fighter. And he, he, inspired by what happened in my fight book, challenged, uh, uh, went over to CSA. Not my CSA, which is compulsory self-advancement, but uh, Kyrian's uh, CSA, East Bay, and Combat Sports Academy, and uh, fought uh, 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 Bolanos. So uh, in that case, you know, if I walked in, Bolanos would go, oh, hey, Eugene, so he hasn't been on any of my shows. I haven't had him, but he fought. Uh, uh, Phil Davis, Mr. Wonderful Davis, and Liam McGeary. McGeary. I thought McGeary had a, had a career in front of him. Apparently not. Got fucked up badly. Um, hurt, apparently. Like, some, I, I, when I read about the type of injury, my mind started to erase it. Like, you know, Eternity of the Spotless Mind, whatever that Gondry movie is, because uh, I just didn't want to, it sounded like a her horrible injury, and I think we internalize injury, and then they happen. I'm superstitious that way. So, um, but let's just go to the main one, which was John Fitch against uh, Rory McDonald. Now, John Fitch against Rory McDonald. In the pre-fight, first of all, I, I, I like underdogs typically. I got I to gotta adjust myself. Yeah? And I think the poster... Last week's show, as soon as I said, look what you made me do, the poster fell. So you guys were, like, not seeing it, but it it, fell, it did fall. So I took a drink. Um, so there's some – like, I, it's right here, Bellator. You know, Mike Kogan's known – friend of Knuckle Up. Scott Coker, friend of Knuckle Up, was on Knuckle Up. Friend of Ozzy was in Ozzy. Been fucking great to me. And so I've always felt this obligation to, if you don't have anything nice to say, you don't say anything at all. And you've heard me make sidelong fucking, sidelong commentary about, um, about uh, a, a Bellator, about some of the judges. I said, if it's a guy who's local fighting a guy who's from some far-flung place, you know, this is... Uh, it, you know, or the deal that I know they made with the fighter from North Carolina, whose name I can't remember, who fought Brian Schwartz. They, they pulled him aside at the rules meeting. It says if it goes to the ground, don't keep it on the ground. So I know that there's a lot of stage crap happening when you watch a, a Bellator fight. Now, I had people who were actually there in San Jose at the SAP Center watching the fight, and they fell asleep. This guy is a, a competitive MMA guy. He's in jiu-jitsu uh, purple belt. Been doing it for a long time. He's competed overseas, and he and his wife, they both fell asleep. First of all, the fights are incredibly long in Bellator. There's like 30 people on the card, and uh, it was an exciting fight. In the package before, John Fitch was saying, hey, anybody who says I'm a boring fighter, is they, they don't know shit about the fight game. And so that becomes a meme. He's saying it, and, of course, the commentators are like Josh Thompson, who's an AKA guy. And uh, it was great seeing Goldberg. Oh, boy, boy. I, I, we tune in. We go to the zone. We tune in. And Goldberg is right there. And, like, within two seconds of him hitting the stage, he gets a Goldberg smile. If I wasn't watching the fight at the house of a teetotaler, I would have taken a drink. It was so, man, I miss that guy. I miss that fucking guy. I had more joy out of watching him and hearing him commentate than I than anything I saw in the cage. So, uh, so there, so so everybody says I'm a boring fighter. They don't know shit about the fight game. You know, okay, okay. And and then when the commentators come, people say that they the John Fitch is a boring fighter. They just don't know the high level he's working at. This is coming from one of the commentators who was also an AKA guy. You know, um, somebody else says. Uh, you know, so pretty much like Charlie Brown's teacher, or like that that far side one of what what you say to dogs. I don't want you in my garden again. I don't want you off the bed, Daisy. I don't want you on the, the and with the dogs here. Blah 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 blah, Daisy. Blah 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 blah, Daisy. That's what happened. All I'm just hearing about John Fitch is blah blah blah, boring. Blah blah blah, boring. Blah blah blah, boring. And I picked John Fitch to win this fight. During the course of it, I find out 
one guy who, who uh, Danny K is like, man, I, I spent a lot of time in Fitch's social media stuff. Guy's kind of a fucking dumbass. I go, he might be a dumbass, but he's a, you know, he's a, he can wrestle mug you. And, uh, and of course, the second the fight starts, I realize with slow dawning horror that John Fitch, I haven't seen him in the cage in a fight for about eight years. Eight years. Now, I've been mindful of the fact that post-leaving the UFC, he's been fighting at Bellator, but these are the things that you forget. I was driving down Flatbush Avenue. When I was 17, I had an affair with a woman who was like 38, right? And I went back to New York uh, three years later, driving down Flatbush Avenue with some friends of mine, and my head snaps around, and I see this woman hobbling down the street on a cane. And the guy driving goes, oh, you see somebody you know? I was like, eh. going to deny you, baby, before the cock crows. Four years later, from 17 to 21, yeah, I'm 21. Four years later, she's 42, and not a healthy-looking 42 either. Oh, yeah, I got had sex with that woman. Same way, John Fitch, the guy... Eight years I haven't seen him. Looking at it's John Fitch, but it's an old man. You can see the reflexes, and a lot of that I gotta tell you guys, as a guy who's well past forty, a lot of that is in your head. You can actually successfully trick your body into increasing its performance, and if you don't accept the lie that forty means something, but his timing is shitty. Now I don't know whether it's because he's not. He, he, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So he gets fucked up the first round. And Rory is doing Rory. There's always a question with that kid again, TriStar kid with his head, where his head is at, who, which one of them is going to show up? Fine. But Fitch says, I got some tricks. Second one, second round, wrestle mugs. Takes him down. Now, Khabib, essentially, this is the house style. But as exercised by, by as exercised by Cain uh, Velasquez and Khabib, they mix it up with some fucking strikes to make. So I'm looking at for Fitch to do something, bring some slashing elbows down, which would have been exciting, which would have been interesting. Bring some elbows down for those of you just listening on the radio. Now I'm I'm moving my my elbow. Bing. But instead, he's doing rib pity pats, scoring, but not doing any real damage. Now, something weird starts to happen. In my mind, he takes over the second and the third round. Suddenly, one of the color commentators is Big John McCarthy. And by the third round, after essentially two rounds of wrestle mugging, Big John McCarthy starts running this narrative line about how Fitch is down on the cards. I'm like, what, what fucking, what, what fucking fight? What fucking fight is, 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 is he watching? I'm listening to him and he's, it's like, it's like this. For those of you just listening, I've covered up one eye, like the eye test. And in this eye, he sees Rory McDonald. The other eye is completely covered. I'm like, I still haven't figured out what's happening. Like Hogan does it too. So they go into the fifth round and the same thing. Wrestle mug, wrestle mug. And, and you could see the, the spirit of fight go out of Rory. It's like, fuck it. I can't get up from there. It's hard. Got to give a wrestler top position. It's fucking hard. He's not bringing out anything that would tire him big. Uh, King Kong, fucking hammer shots, elbow, slashing elbows, none of that. He opens a cut on Rory's head. Fight ends. He's hanging his head. He's hanging his head. The judges score it 47-47. And 48-46 for John Fitch for a majority draw decision. And the ref raises both of their hands. And the fucking arena explodes. 
Now, well, they can control the signal coming out. The production truck clearly didn't sweeten it. They turned down the booze. My dude puts up clips from the booze on his Facebook page where you can really hear them. Not what I heard on the TV. The booze are going like crazy. Because even though Fitch is a, uh, uh, well, Fitch is a local guy, right? Probably justifying in Coker's mind this idea of giving the local guy. But that's not it. That's not it. We all saw a fight that John McCarthy didn't see. And I don't know why John McCarthy didn't see the fight that we saw. Well, possibly because they don't want John Fitch's old, boring ass headlining a fight in Madison Square Garden against uh, uh, Neiman, I want to say Neiman Marcus, Neiman Gracie. Let's just call him Neiman Marcus anyway. Why not? So the way it works when there's a majority draw decision, they both win, which is why I gave myself the eighth pick, eighth win of my fight picks. Because Bellator was one of the ones that I picked. But because he's got he's the holder of the belt, he is the one who advances. So this on Fitch's record goes down as a win. And on Rory's, it goes down as a win, but then he goes TriStar. By which he, I mean, he goes GSP, some vaguely worded thing about inner turmoil and, you know, cue the clown music when he starts talking about Jesus and God sending him a message out there and his girlfriend or his wife, whoever, some woman, very attractive woman in the cage. Like I could see her thought process. I need another gravy train. Fuck this shit. This guy is not, this guy is not on a long-term earning plan with that kind of talk. That kind of rebop. No, sir, rebop. I don't know where he's going. Hey, hey, look at the camera. Somebody. They have the after party somewhere. And then, clearly, this is the guy who they've chosen now. The headline their fucking Madison Square Garden to do for Bellator. And he's shitting all over the fight by going, I don't know. God doesn't want me to hurt people anymore. I just don't have it. And they talk to him. Clearly, they fucking talk to him. And they're like, you goddamn you. You get the fuck out. And then when the post-fight presser, he's like, yeah, I was just caught up in the heat of the moment. Heat of the moment. Yeah, you want to keep eating? Keep talking. Heat of the moment. That was probably one of the biggest, most bullshitty things that I've ever seen. So those of you who have given us a hard time about Hey, would you do more Bellator? Would you really go belt? Oh, yeah? Yeah, more Bellator, huh? More of that? But then what? the only effective counter, the only effective repost is like, oh, yeah? Hey, hey, Mr. Mr. Ashley. What about Greg Hardy? Okay. You got me. Bullshit abounds. But you have to wonder, this is a Hitlerian secret type thing. You have to wonder about the nature of bullshit. Are you tricking me? Are we, um, are you tricking me? Are we tricking them? Or is this a trick about future events as yet unknown? Unknown. In other words, shit that's happening that's way above the pay grade. You have no idea. If you've been anywhere any length of the time, you've understood that if you're not in the know, you're very much in the dark. It's not like partial knowing, not knowing. Navy pilots recently and Air Force pilots recently have said, listen, we are seeing a lot of unidentified flying objects. The, the veil of ridicule has got to stop. We're hesitant to talk about it because every time we talk about it, you guys fucking hush us up. But this shit is really happening and people should know. We have vehicles in the sky that are moving without visible sources of propulsion. They don't have carbon trails. They don't have chemtrails. They're moving faster than our planes. It was either something invented out of the black budget program or something not of this earth but we don't know and we're seeing it and we're talking about it and people are thinking we're crazy because you're not allowing us to talk about it publicly and validate what's going on 
this idea that you want to cause panic. Future events as yet untold. So it could be that the bald one and Coker have a master plan that we are somehow not privy to that necessitates bullshit. But once you eat a little bit of bullshit, you become a little bit of bullshit. So I have a zero tolerance policy for bullshit. If I get caught up in some bullshit, it's usually the most subtle, sublime form of it. Let me give you an example. Um, let me let me give you an example. Um, hmm. Let me give you a real example of how I bullshit myself. Uh boy. Well, yeah, I'm a like uh, Linton Crazy Johnson says I'm a merciless realist. I, I don't spend a lot of time bullshitting myself. Uh, or rather, my uh, I so effectively bullshit myself that I have no idea. One hand is washing, and I don't have the other hand. And who knows what the fuck is happening? Let's see, bullshit, bullshit. Um, I know. Um, I, I I can't. I'm really honest about my skills as a jujitsu player. Um. I get to black belt. I'm saying six to eight years. He, he can, Joe Hogan was an eight-year brown belt, and probably wasn't training six days a week like I am. But he was training with leisure. Didn't have to work. I know. I'm bullshitting myself about my retirement plans. I intended to retire at 62, which is for me five years from now. Talk to a friend of mine, the fact, the fact man. Fact man said, hey, I'm retired. I go, man, that sounds great. He's a few years older than me. You, I'm on your plan, bro. And he paused. And he said, don't do it, Eugene. I go, what, do you, what do you mean? He goes, retired equals phone just stopped ringing. This dude's son works at Google. Can't get his old man a job. Ageism is a real thing. I'm trying to convince myself it's not. You know what it's like when you have agency removed from your fucking menu of items? It doesn't feel fucking good. It's where I, in other words, for me, it's Ozzy or McDonald's. That's, and, and that's, that's the fucking shit. That's the, that's the hardcore truth. I was starting to think of my friends who are musicians who are like, you know, older than me and they're really still kicking it. Lydia Lunch, she's still killing it. And I go, she has to. She fucking has to. She's like four years old and she's 61 years old. Who's going to hire 61-year-old Lydia Lunch? Her best bet is to get films, get in the film somehow, which is what Rollins has done. The 50, uh, he's a year old, be 58-year-old Henry Rollins got in the film. Live cheaply outside those speakers he has. Retire. You're going to fucking, re you're not, you know where you're retiring from? My ass. You're not retiring from me. So bullshit, bullshit is dangerous. Got to keep it out of your life. I caught up. I realized that the uh, can't. Yeah, I got to, what I got to do is keep working until I hit some kind of windfall. And if I don't hit a windfall, Keep working, Jack, which means, in essence, if I'm lucky, I got to work 10 more years. 10 more years. I'm getting up at 6 in the morning to go do Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I got a job to go to right after. I'm not cursing it. Great to have a job. Glad to have it. Or if I was on the road, I could tour with different bands or solo book touring. I could do that, but it would be 10 months on the road. No jujitsu for that guy. Wife's got to work, got to be stable. Got to stay, can't go with me. Got friends in bands like that too. Got a formula, got to be on the road seven months a year. That's it. Keep me in this nice house in LA. That's it. So that's one of the ways in which I bullshit myself. Apparently no more.
but I think it's pernicious. There could be that master stroke of the Hitlerian, you know, future events as yet unknown, but I, for the life of me, can't figure out, and it's above my pay grade, can't figure out why. Why would you do it? Why would you do it? Who did you? He looks better on the posters. People get more excited. I see them running that clip about Jesus telling me that he doesn't want to hurt people anymore. He did, and did you see how uncomfortable Neiman Gracie was? It's like, man, you just made my job 10 stars. I got to fill this fucking Madison Square Garden. That redounds to me since you're clearly out of it. GSP style. I don't know. There's something inside me that the don't do it, man. Go to the po- get a job in the post office. Get a job moving furniture, painting houses, and hanging sheetrock like I used to do. You know, I carried one of those carrot O'Keefe stoves, one of those 800-pound stoves up to a four-foot loft without a dolly. The woman had the decency to give us a tip after that. Not like the very rich eye doctor who insisted that his mother and his, his girlfriend help us with the move and then tried to withhold our funds because there was a nick in his leather chair. That fucking prick. The guy I was with said, I'm going to go down to my car, I'm going to get my cutting torch and burn it to pieces. You don't pay. And I go, I want my money. So you pay, keep a portion of it, assuming it's going to take, uh, uh, it'll be to cover the repair, and then you let us know what the final repair was, which is essentially saying this guy fundamentally defrauded us out of a 13-hour move out of $300. Oh, CTE of becoming a father. Uh, your questions, you're, you're too slow. So uh, so anyway, so I, I don't know, again, the th- Hitlerian secrets. I'm unsure of who they're trying to bullshit and to what end, but all we got to do in this instance is follow the money. And clearly, if it doesn't make dollars to them, it doesn't make sense. So clearly, they're bullshitting us because it's a financial imperative to do so. Don't know what that is. Don't know how it is, but it cheapens the entire enterprise. Why would you, why would you, I'll give you a prime example. When I went down to Belladonna's porn party in LA and that crazy Russian who said that he was related to Oleg Tokhtarov says he's going to invite his girlfriend and she, he, she's got a friend and if you want me to meet and this woman showed up, it was completely fucking predatory. Eyes like a shark. Like the backs of nail heads, gray, flat. Are you going to buy me a drink? As she surveys a room for clearly a better deal. Yeah, sure, I'll get you a drink. What do you, what do you want? And orders the most expensive thing on the, on the menu and doesn't drink it. Just wanted to see if I could buy it. Nursed it until she could find another mark. Trying to talk to her. She's like, yeah, uh, yeah. That was an unsuccessful grift. I felt like I was being taken, and you were taking me, and you got one drink up off of me, and I'm out. A good grift is when I don't know I've been grifted. That's the thing. We look at the Greg Hardy thing. We look at John Fitch or Rory McDonald. We know we're being grifted. How's that benefit? Who does it benefit? Don't know. Not me, and clearly not you guys now, because I'm not watching any more Bellator fights. And I will go out of my way to avoid, you put that fucking Greg Hardy any higher up on any more cards, and I'm done. Not with the sport. If I find the guys on the bill, you have a headlining card with Greg Hardy, I'm not watching. Because clearly, that's for somebody who's really stupid. And I am not really stupid. Won't be watching. Anyway... That's the end of V63. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Thanks for sticking with me for the hour. We went a little bit over, as usual, as is the case. We just recorded the Care Don't Care preview. We're running it now on Monday. Steph wants to do it on Monday. So for those of you listening to the Showstopper Live, um, that's fine. uh, We put it up tonight. You'll have it all day Monday, all day for the rest of the week. So listen to peruse, enjoy. Uh, share with your friends, tell the world about, and then Monday afternoon, she goes live with the Care Don't Care, which is not video, just audio, SoundCloud style. Tuesday night, Alexi is back in the groove at 7.20, uh, providing I'm not late. We start with uh, If I Did It, followed immediately by If the Shoes Fit, and that's Tuesday, and that's your week. Next week is UFC Ottawa. 
And I can tell you right now, on terms of the cares in the card, I think I got three. That's out of 13. I'm not so good, sort of misty. But sometimes you can get three on the card, and the card itself is not misty. So, like this last one, I cared about all the fights on the card, but the fight itself in aggregate was kind of misty. But, you know, let's not, I don't care if misty or not. I just want bullshit. I don't want the stink of it. I don't want the smell of it, the smirch of it, the sight of it on my clothing. Don't want it. Anyway, this is uh, uh, the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Uh, if you want, at Eugene S. Robinson is Twitter. Uh, Instagram is Mr. Sleep with the number three. Uh, at Facebook.com slash Stomperville. Uh, if you want the video, the nice video that June edits up uh, as a piece. Uh, if you're at the YouTube channel, hit that little ding-dong bell up on the right so you're notified. Because moments after I do this, I'm going to probably go live with the new JJB. If you're a jujitsu head, watch it. Send it to your other jujitsu head friends. If you know a jujitsu head, send it to them. This one is mwah, mwah. So um, you, you should enjoy it. Uh, what else? Any other housekeeping, Mr. Sleep 3? Yes. Oh, yeah. On tomorrow's Ozzy, which hits at 9.30 tonight, I have a remembrance for April 29th, Power to the People, uh, where what happened to Rodney King happened to all of America. Those of you who are under 30 probably don't remember. You should read it. Friday of next week, of this coming week, I got a piece on the guy, who, a finance piece, kind of pointy-headed stuff, a guy who started the YOLO, the YOLO ETF. What is it? It's the first exchange-traded fund for cannabis. Cannabis hits Wall Street. Guy Dan Ahrens, really phenomenal fucking guy, phenomenal piece. You should see it. It might affect some of your investment decisions in the future. Anyway, that's the end of the show. I'm your host, Eugene Robinson. We'll see you soon. Look what you made me do!